Senate will move ahead with a handful of key military confirmation votes. Will the senator, though, holding these military nominees let hundreds of others through the process? Produced by Defense News and Military Times, this is the Early Bird Brief. Each morning, we bring you the defense and national security news of the day. No matter where you believe it or not, Senator Turberville, this is doing great damage to our military. I don't say that lightly. I've been trying to work with you for nine months. Folks, if this keeps going, people are going to leave. And South Korea says North Korea has sent more than a million ammunition shells to Russia in just a few months. What does it all mean for our defense and security? You'll find out. I'm your host, Simone Perez. Today is November 2nd, 2023. First up, lawmakers will hold confirmation votes on key leadership spots for the Navy, Air Force, and Marine Corps. The Senate will vote on the nominations of Navy Admiral Lisa Franchetti, Air Force General David Alvin, and Marine Corps Lieutenant General Christopher Maloney to lead or take second in command of their respective services. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer filed procedural motions on Tuesday to move ahead with the nominations. So while the Senate will proceed quickly to vote on Lieutenant General Mahoney's nomination, These holds cannot and must not continue. Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville has stalled the confirmation process for months. Tuberville began his hold over his objections to the Pentagon's abortion access policy. That policy provides leave time and travel for service members who need to go out of state for reproductive services. Here's why it matters. We've talked about this a lot. This is a big news story for those who care about national security and defense. But this push came after Marine Commandant General Eric Smith was hospitalized following what the Marine Corps called a medical emergency. Smith said last week that he's been working long hours every day without a designated assistant. The workload remains the same. There's still the two full-time jobs uh, filled by one person. Uh, So that hasn't changed. I mean, I I I moved houses, but uh, I am still doing both of those jobs um, and, and using my staff as best I can to fill in where the assistant commandant would normally be full-time, because I simply can't be in two places at once. With the commandant in the hospital and no Senate-confirmed assistant commandant, the commanding general of the Marine Corps Combat Development Command is now performing the duties of the Marine Corps commandant. The Senate voted on Smith's confirmation in September. That's in addition to Army Chief of Staff General Randy George and Joint Chiefs Chairman General Charles Brown, who were approved in floor votes. Senate Republicans Minority Leader Mitch McConnell also said he wanted to see a resolution to this blanket hold. He said he's concerned about the impact on service members. I'm sure you remember that I said this was a bad idea quite a while ago. I still think it's a bad idea, and particularly applied to people who don't make policy. And so um, I have been among those trying to convince Senator Tuberville to... uh, express his opposition some other way by people who actually make policy as opposed to uh, our military heroes who are sworn to stay out of politics. Democratic leaders are also considering a plan to allow group votes on large numbers of pending military nominations, with the exception of members of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Another important story, we do have some news coming from the Korean Peninsula. South Korea's top spy agency believes that North Korea has sent more than 1 million ammunition shells to Russia since August. 
Diplomacy between North Korea and Russia has triggered concerns about an arms arrangement between the two powers. A South Korean lawmaker said his country's spy agency believes the North has shipped the artillery to Russia to boost its warfighting capabilities in Ukraine. He said the shells would be about two months of supplies for the Russians. Both countries have denied U.S. and South Korean claims that the North has been transferring arms supplies to Russia. There are concerns in South Korea that the North could receive Russian technologies to enhance its nuclear weapons and missile programs. But South Korea's spy agency believes it's more likely that the Russian assistance would be limited to conventional weapons. Also on your radar for today, the Navy is discontinuing part of a postpartum assessment for new mothers. Navy Times reporter Diana Stancy joins the episode today to talk about the changes. So Diana, what is the postpartum wellness exam sailors have to go through after having a child? So historically, what the Navy has done in recent years is have postpartum sailors conduct this uh, wellness physical fitness assessment. And basically that includes the body composition assessment and the physical readiness test that already make up the regular PFA. But postpartum sailors would take this in an unofficial capacity six to nine months postpartum. This was designed to help sailors return to Navy standards after giving birth and also allow their commanding officers to get a little bit more insight into their own um, health and fitness levels as they are coming back from uh, delivery. So um, it's an unofficial test and um, it A failure does not count as an official uh, physical fitness assessment failure. However, this test was done after sailors were medically cleared to kind of help ease them in and essentially aid them in returning to Navy fitness standards. And what are the elements changing regarding that test and why, but also why are they being changed? Yes. So the Navy is no longer requiring postpartum sailors to take this wellness or unofficial physical fitness assessment. Basically, this came um, as a result of a recommendation from the Navy Bureau of Medicine and Surgery's Office of Women's Health and also from feedback from sailors. So um, right now, the Navy is only recommending that sailors gently ease back into exercising prior to taking their official physical fitness assessment, which happens no sooner than 12 months postpartum. Um, According to a spokesperson for the Chief of Naval Personnel, this removal of this requirement provides additional privacy protections for postpartum sailors by avoiding instances where they could potentially feel guilt for failing a wellness PFA, despite medical guidance to not overexert themselves during the postpartum period. Additionally, evidence suggests that sailors are not expected to be fully successful on the PFA at six to nine months postpartum. Um, It's also important to note that this spokesperson said that the Navy was the only service in the military carrying out this wellness PFA. So the change is effective immediately, and from here on out, postpartum sailors will not be conducting this uh, wellness PFA. And now here's some other stories that we're hearing chirps about. Taiwan said China sent dozens of military aircraft and seven ships toward the self-governing island on Wednesday. U.S.-European Command announced this week that the U.S. Space Force will officially activate its component for Europe and Africa on December 8th. The prosecution in Denmark yesterday dismissed two separate cases against the former defense minister and the former head of the country's foreign intelligence service. Both were charged with leaking state secrets, but the cases were dropped due to the, inavi- due to the inability to divulge classified information in the court. 
And in case you missed it, yesterday dozens of people with foreign passports entered Egypt from Gaza. It appeared to be the first time that foreign passport holders have been allowed to leave the besieged territory since the start of the Israel-Hamas war. And on this day in history, in 1963, South Vietnamese President Ngo Dinh Diem was assassinated, marking a major turning point in the Vietnam War. That's it for us this morning. To get more top stories and breaking news, go to defensenews.com ebb to subscribe to the Early Bird Brief newsletter. Please give us a like, rating, and a comment wherever you get your podcasts, and be sure to follow us on social media at defense underscore news and at military times. The Early Bird Brief is hosted and produced by me, Zamone Z. Perez. Today's episode featured stories by Leo Shane III, Irene Lowenson, The Associated Press, and Diana Stancy. Our editor-in-chief is Mike Bruce. Have a great day.